All right, back again with another episode. No GPS. Get with it or get lost. What? Quite, quite literally. <laughs> so this episode, we're going to be focusing on episode five and six of Andor in the Star Wars universe. Um, we talked about episodes one, two, three, and four in uh, our second uh, inaugural episode of the No GPS podcast. Um, so just get some things out of the way. Uh, this podcast is provided to you and presented to you by Soaker. Uh, all the music that you hear is by Treth West. Um, and we are the No GPS crew. Me, my name is Aaron, my good friend and podcast host. His name, his name is Mez. And the producer man in the back is Matt. All right. So no GPS. What we're about. We focus on enjoying the journey rather than reaching the destination. Right. We go where the wind takes us. The ends don't justify the means. And we go where the wind takes us because as a leaf in the wind with a knowledge of its roots, the wind does not detour us. It guides us. All right. With that out the way, let's get to it. Mez, are you in the house? Can you introduce yourself or bring yourself to the microphone? What's up? Hey, man, I'm Mez. Uh, you already said it. You introduced me. So I think people already know. The ones they who know, know. <laughs> the ones who know, know. All right, man. We're getting into Andor. The last two episodes, five and six, real interesting. A lot of food for thought there. Um, uh... So let's well, first of all, is, is this the best thing that has ever been produced on the Star Wars? That's what I want to know. I, I think so. <laughs> Put you on the spot. You're like, uh, I don't like to I don't like to rank things. <laughs> I could do that. I could do that. Um, I loved clones. And, you know, like I love all these side stories. Right. So I loved yeah. clones. I loved and I, and I love this for that reason. And I love Rebels. You mean the animated clone. You know, people might think you're talking about Attack of the Clones. So. My bad, my, my bad. Not the Attack of the Clones, <laughs> the animated clones series, which my brother oh, introduced okay. to me, Mr. Matt, introduced to me a while back. And I just got hip to it. Uh, actually, during the pandemic, I had a lot of time to watch uh, the show. So that that's it holds a near and dear uh, space in my heart just because of it got me through those cloudy dark days so i think this is it like it's just the suspense the we're really we're really seeing the genesis of you know the revolution the the the, the, the rebellion right we're seeing it from the 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 ground on up as our theor, theoretician uh nemic or nemic um you know said you know so this this kind of ground on up view that the revolutionary or the guerrilla has is 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 quite literally uh and figuratively an objective vertigo you don't you're you don't know what's behind the next corner you don't know if uh your 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 your, your partner your soldier in arms is a double agent is a triple agent secrecy clouds everything and and really you you uh you just you just going into it with a revolutionary hope so um it's just been refreshing i think that for star wars this really got it out of you know that that um you know the mythopoetics of or the idea uh that was being pushed by people like joseph campbell and of course endorsed by um george lucas that that all stories are essentially the same stories no matter what culture they're all just variations of the same and i think with, with this episode i mean sorry with this show what we see is that it's much more complicated than that. There's a lot of there's a lot of gray 
and there's 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 people who who never really feel a part of the grand narrative even if they are part of a greater cause right we see that with um a lot of the characters they 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 are working towards the same cause but for different reasons right and you know the rebel leader vel she says something interesting and instructive to me she says everybody has their own rebellions that they're fighting and i'm like wow that's not yeah. the most postmodern modern thing that i've ever heard in my life <laughs> that's it you know yeah that's true because uh what the show is doing is giving you in real time you know individual characters reason for being there like they didn't give you you know like maybe like a regular star wars show would have introduced you to each power ranger one at a time right this one's yellow this one's this one's pink this one's black or whatever but this one's over the course of these three episodes they like peppered in it throughout the story the plot now so-and-so used to be a stormtrooper you know so-and-so had her whole family slaughtered by one uh, you know so-and-so believes in the cause and the thing about nemic is like you said the theory is happening in real time too he's writing it as as the mission is unfolding so even he doesn't he has questions he's writing it as it as it uh as it unfolds so the, um it's not like there's a, a handbook that is handed um handed out beforehand because that's how it's uh, seen i think i think even the characters are a little bit kind of based on Che on on you know the idea of because uh, che, Gav che Guevara had the book called uh, gorilla i think which was called a handbook uh -huh. of the revolution um wretched of the earth right. was the book that che, che apparently kept in his uh, breast pocket throughout um and here you have a you know the actor plays the um andor which i think is supposed to be a uh, even in the marketing and in the and the logos and the posters and stuff there's a little bit of that che guevara <laughs> you know uh, inspiration oh. and uh by the end of this episode this last this last arc it's one thing he leaves from this whole mission with outside of the money is his, is the handbook that nemec finished writing right him. right so there's um there's that interesting thing that the strategy and the, and uh and the action or the theory and the practice is actually happening coterminously at the same time there's no uh preset way even back then now maybe that that's a postmodern way of looking back again mm -hmm. i think that's true because it's uh like we asked from last I, my question from last week is like why why join a rebellion what's the reason what makes someone go there right and um it was i think it answered all those questions it was always i mean that's what's so good about the show is they're already ahead of it so the lady, what's her name, Cinta, Vel's partner. Yeah. To read, you know, the the tough one. She's she's basically had a whole. Uh, they came to her village one day, had her whole family slaughtered. So, right. If that's not gonna make you lose your mind even as a teenager, then. Right, right, right. You know, I think that's the Fanonian point because the 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 impetus, the the reason why most people are joining this revolution, right? There's 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 a need for bloodlust. Right, that's the first thing that animates you, right? But the thing is, right, you're essentially a rebel without a cause outside of just seeking vengeance. There needs to be a nemic that comes around and gives you a grand narrative to work from, right? A political ideology, and I think that 
like like Fanon says it in, in, in Wretched of the Earth, right? Um, so, so essentially, these 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 cats are are rebels without a cause. There's a cause, but they're 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 not. Then there's not a singular view for this is the end that we want. We don't want just the end of the empire. We want, as Nemec was saying, freedom, justice, equality, so on and so forth, right? But you know, Fanon says in Wretched Earth, you know, the first battle is always always glorious, right? You're taking the enemy by surprise, right? With your innovative guerrilla, you know, tactics. And by the second battle, you're probably gonna lose all of the gains that you made and maybe even rebuffed and, and, and pushed back even further. So what's the thing that's gonna hold you together, right? It has to be something greater than your own personal story. There has to be a universalized story and narrative that pushes you forward. And I think that that was the important that's, Nemec, right? That's what, yeah, that animates Nemec, but I don't think it animates the others. So, so the foot soldier on the ground doesn't notice. They, I don't think right. No, but that's why think about this. Just, the theory is yeah. being created on the ground. And so that's the thing that needs to be disseminated, right? right so that, that's what the writers are doing through Nemec. Yeah. But they already have, say, for example, Mon Mothma and Luthen. What's their, what, what is their point of view? Do they right. have a handbook? Do they have mm. something written? Or, because to me, it seems Mon Mothma is more coming at it from, at least so far, a human rights type of thing. You know, there's planets starving because of blockades. Right. And she wants to to uh, send in aid, you know, food and things like that. So um, today, in today's world, the the role that Nemec and Andor and that whole Che Guevara Fanonian, uh, at least stylistic inspiration, yeah, and a little bit in the narrative, of, of course, is being almost put in a different position than than what the Mon Mothmas and the Luthans represent. Because Luthan is an interesting character. Like, what, what drives him? He hasn't said why. Right, we he, don't know yet. He tells yeah. when he recruits, when he recruits Andor, he's just telling him, don't you want to do this for a bigger cause, like a bigger, right, right, a bigger right. thing? Uh, they he don't doesn't name give it, it to him. They don't he give it, yeah. he doesn't give, him, give it to him, yeah. He doesn't give him a political name. Uh, Nemec seems to be searching for one. Mm -hmm. And you, the viewer, if you know anything about the last uh, 70 years, it's easy to spot that what, who Andor is supposed to look like or be like what part of the, uh, um, you know, post-World War II um, you know, kind, of, kind of struggles for independence and uh, for you know, anti-colonial struggles and stuff. This is yeah taking inspiration, inspiration from Nemec sounds like someone both from who could, you know, be writing in the 60s, but also somehow he, he could be someone you run into during the Occupy Occupy protests from like 10 years ago, you know, like people who just spouting uh, theory left and right because like, we need to make sense of this. Come over here in this tent and we shall break it down. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, he's an amalgamation of, of different types of characters, whether it be Latin American influence or, you know, people in the global north, like, you know, with the Occupy movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's what what's the image? The I sent you the other day the screenshot of uh, the, the the title of his handbook. What's yeah, going to be the the role of mercenaries in the galactic struggle for freedom. <laughs> so, right. so mercenaries a big deal, I think, in the Star Wars world because you know there's all kinds of mercenary characters. You know, they 
they're kind of in between. They do jobs for anyone. Uh, they do jobs for the money, right? right. There's like a, for the Merc, it's basically, uh, it's, a, it's a cash grab. You know, they have mm-hmm. no loyalties. That could be like a, a critique of a particular kind of uh, persuasion today. You know, I'm, I got my own. <laughs> so I'm going to be, I'm sticking yeah, yeah. to myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, how to create. I, I yeah, so how to create. Mine. You know that I got to yeah. get mine, you got to get yours. <laughs> yeah, so maybe this, I mean, the book might be trying to grasp at this question, how to turn the consumer mind into a like concerned citizen or the consumer mm. mind into a liberational liber, 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 liberation oriented thinker uh subject um, right it's a mercenary in star wars if you think about it is the closest thing we have to someone who might just mindlessly following some kind of neoliberal creed and just imagines under that umbrella yeah and um in its in this high fantasy version it would be someone like uh What's his name? Uh, what's that guy? Uh, Cad Bane? <laughs> and all these other bounty hunters. My favorite yeah. <laughs> All these yeah. kind of folks. So, and Andor, in this case, a less, you know, much more grounded version of that. Yeah. Uh, even by the end of this episode, even this deep into it, he's still, you know, he's sticking to himself. Even after this mission. Yeah. He just did it for the money at the end. Because, and to be honest, he was, he's, this is the trappings of this kind of rebellion where you can't trust anybody, right? Like yeah. Once that once that guy asked him, you know, gave him his offer, why don't we just split it and run? Yeah. He's in an impossible situation. <laughs> like when he shot him, I was like, damn, that's. He did the thing. I think because he calculated real quickly what most people would have failed to calculate at that moment. Like, yeah. But there's no way out. Of, there's no way out of this at this point. Because once the guy makes the offer, yeah, he's either testing him, or he's actually going to probably double cross them as well so uh, right the merc is still you know the mercenary is still weaning himself off of that kind of fear you know of, uh, you know it probably is a fear-based thing more than more, more so than anything i'm oh, supposed yeah. I mean, he to says it right in lane. He's, he says yeah. it he says it um like fear fear is driving me but that i'm not losing my nerve because of that right when he tells them like hey like the last day or the day before big um oh that he said to nemec yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. he said it to everybody he said said it to skeen in particular when skeen was trying to you know uh out him as some kind of you know um turncoat or, or something like that he said yo yeah. don't put this on me right you're if you're nervous you need to admit that and you need to step away if that's the case so don't scapegoat me right like everybody's gonna be fearful don't act like there's there's no butterflies in people's stomachs like this is this is this is for real like we're going in and we probably will not come out alive um at least all of us you know what i mean so he's he's he lives with that fear and he understands that that fear is like necessary right it's like he doesn't have any um he doesn't have any illusions about that so he's he's very pragmatic and it's it's he's doing real real politic right he's like it's he calculated the situation and, and he understood that Skeen was going to be a character that would be a thorn in his side for thorn in his side for, you know, um, a significant, you know, it, if it wasn't going to be then that he was going to um, kill Andor, he would have eventually did it. Yeah, it was impossible. Uh, once that guy, I mean, if you if, if you offer me that offer, it's uh, it's either to double cross me later because yeah. you just double cross everybody else. 
or um and he got he got, me. he got tamarind killed yeah. he got tamarind killed right what the, what the, uh scheme yeah he was supposed to be his cover and then that's when that's when matt actually he was like yo he just he 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 didn't give Tamron cover when he asked it, asked him for it, and then that's when we we were kind of like clued up to, yo, this dude is about to do something shady, like he's about to okay, do something. I didn't I didn't I didn't I yeah. didn't pick that. When they were in the fight, when they were getting the credits, um, you know when Gorn Gorn um, Lieutenant Gorn died, and then Tamron got killed. The two black guys, um, <laughs> we failed to not see that. But there's still. no black and white in Star Wars, man. Come on, man. <laughs> don't do that to this. <laughs> You killing my shit. This, this is a world of aliens, and you know, at least yeah. they had. I mean, but, man, this episode was crazy because they they had the backdrop of the indigenous case as well, you know. So it was under the under the cover of like this indigenous uh, celebration that they uh, yeah had this inaugural mission, you know. Yeah, that was interesting though. That point, I'm gonna get to that, and I'm gonna get to the next thing. But what was interesting is that when they were celebrating with Nadani's from Aldani. Uh, we're celebrating the the arrival of the eye in the sky, you know, a great celestial event, you know, a sacred celestial event that happens every three years, I think. When they were celebrating that, it almost seemed like they were se- the way that it was shot, the cinematography. It was like they were they were celebrating the heist. You know what I mean? This robbery. That's what I'm saying. It's like it was, it was under, and they and the heist and the heist uses the cover of that event yeah. in order to. All that it. so it's like this perfect yeah. marriage it's almost like the cause is greater than all of them right you know any the, the cause is kind of like it's, a, it's just an existential thing you know that's where the ontology comes in and yeah. um it's over it sweeps over all of them and when they all just make their escape it's because of the very material fact of the the meteor shower that they actually get to do it and by the way i don't know if you caught this I haven't seen Rogue One in a minute. When Nemec is uh, shouting at him to climb, you know, yeah. when he's using the radio, the, the little navigation tool. Yeah. That's a callback to Rogue One when uh, one of the and when the droids um, uses a KSO or something like that. Oh, when he dies, when right? it gives, when he dies, the last thing he says is climb to uh, to uh, Andor. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Yo, uh, Matthew also pointed something out to me too. He said. This the the eighty million imperial imperial credits, right? Like, yeah. He was suggesting to me that this actually could have been the score that helped that helped to give the the, the rebellion, the revolution, Mon Matha, and and all of her her different um, all of the different people working with her uh, gave them the the, the 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 capital required to. Um, feed people right because we see these these rebels they're living off of 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 uh you know roots and 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 all kinds of different things they're living they're living a really grimy life it's not the rebels that we see in 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 you know the the big star wars movies these these rebels are living a very grimy existence you know like just like you know bare bones you know skin to the earth thing and so we're thinking like reality yeah the reality of gorilla warfare every every revolution started this way Right, right. So this is not a romantic vision of the re- the rebels that we normally seen, right? You know, we, we were given a romantic idea of how it is, but it's it's not like that. It's it's you're on the ground and you're questioning yourself all the time, right? You should I be here? Like, is this is this is this meaningful? Like, what am I doing doing with my life? That's why people like Nemec and 
the theoreticians are so important. They give ideology, give a reason, give a narrative. Like this is the greater cause, and like you know, people get enveloped by that, swallowed up by that. But at the same time, it gives them a purpose. Do you know what I mean? But right. Like, That's one side. But then once you get the money, you can create a life in the field. So people and can get paid. It's like Andor got paid. Yeah. So, yeah. It's not even just getting paid, but I mean, Andor's getting paid, but he's still living his. He's still protecting himself, right, out of that fear. And I'm, I'm curious how that fear turns into uh, uh, principle. You know, the principle yeah. to, you know, I'm doing this for, I know now why I'm doing this for. So that by the time we get to Rogue One, he's ready to die. In Rogue One, I guess I'm going to have to watch it again because Jin Erso would have to undergo this whole thing in just the space of two hours, right? Because it's just a, cause it's a movie. Yeah, but for Andor, you get to see the whole, uh, the whole uh, journey. Mm-hmm. But w- with the resources, you can now feed, like you said, you can feed feed your rebels. You can create a life on in you know in the wilderness, in the field. Yeah, yeah. So when young people join, they get introduced to a way of life. It's like the Sahel stuff, man. It's uh, it's like the Nair Trail. Um, yeah. Once you can feed your people, you can create a kind of um you know domestic scene which is not domestic at all i mean um but you know the way the way most people would know it yeah. but then it becomes like a way of life so it's it's not constantly the, the questioning disappears it just becomes you know normalized for for the person this is a this is how we do things mm-hmm. uh, whereas here you know everyone still still has the jitters which was that was like what what part of the best uh best part of the writing was when Nemec says he's uh what did he say he was nervous or was he tired or something like that and yeah he couldn't sleep when, right and then he, he couldn't sleep I think, I think yeah when they were um posing as imperial uh, soldiers and right. you know, he's sitting in the middle there and, he, and he's and he's are you standing in the middle there and he's, he looks over at Andor and says, I'm not tired at all, right? It's like, he's yeah, yeah. right. Like he told him to think the fear kicks in, right? It's yeah, like your gonna... body just takes, takes over, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's no it's no equivalence, but, you know, the feeling that you get before a big game, you want to throw up, right? It's like... every any, Anything, anything big, yeah. big interview, big uh, first day in the yeah. job, like, yeah. So um, you, you think too much about it, so you never actually get the sleep that you're supposed to get. In order to start fresh, but once you're there, you you go from from there. And I, I feel like you know that kind that feeling is less likely to happen over the long run once you can when you actually have like rebel bases. Yeah. Once you once the thing starts rolling, you know it's like uh, um. This brings actually. I mean, I want I want to bring it back to this. This is why the, in the non-revolutionary times, the thing that sparks this would would never occur is because there's no um there's no understanding of violence or the necessity the, ne- the necessity of violence in order to jumpstart something like this whereas i think in those times they did um those very same times inspired george lucas and now we uh you know consume it as entertainment right and talk talk over podcasts about it but um <laughs> it's, it's like you said like the 80 the 80 million start something because it's a material resource that can give that you can redistribute to re- new recruits for whom it's less likely going forward to feel as nervous as Nemec did, even if they will, you know, particularly 
before any kind of a mission like this. It's uh, it's the newness of it that's so scary at the time. You know, when you're first getting to know people, it's always like new faces. You know how everybody was suspicious of each other, like you said. Yeah. Um, people, you know, testing each other and stuff like. You don't really that that will probably never go away. But once you have built up a, a rebel base, like something like a rebel base and bases, this uh, you're right, Matthew's right. It's uh, that's why this mission is so important. It's uh, it's the money and the resources. Yeah, for sure, and it's absolutely necessary. You need those types of inputs. Imagine, imagine, imagine Andor with just Mon Mothma and Luton, or just Mon Mothma really talking in in Parliament. Right, 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 right. Because that's what a lot of diaspora politics is now. It's just, you know, pleading and marching and, you know, trying to convince uh, someone of the sanctity of life and right. this and that and the third. It's, uh, you can do that within tandem with the other stuff. I mean, it's, it's how they did apartheid. Right. So, yeah, those, those that, 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 that synergy or that symbiotic relationship between the grassroots and the institutional is the thing that's like really missing now because there is no bridge towards it because in this version of financial capital that uh, capitalism of the 21st century the middle class to a certain extent has in a lot of cities not all cities has been eroded right um so that 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 vector to get to upper the upper ranks of a society to the mon mothas through the middle is not there anymore so you you have the bottom and then you have the top and then they they talk to each other but not really there's like there's like double mirrors or you're in a in a in a house of mirrors right it's it's like who's who and what's what's what and it's so i think that's that's to a certain extent the problem now because the middle class even if they were seen as you know not innovative and just kind of like well adjusted, well adjusted to injustice, they they still form um, a moral backbone, and they they're the they're the fiber fiber of a, a society, right? And so now that we don't have that, that's that's that relationship between the grassroots and the institutional is totally disembricated, right? Just removed, and I think that that's a that's a big issue. Why like something like this to the effect that you're talking about, um, it's just not possible now. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just. Well, it's like two things. Marmathma is rich, but um, she cares. She cares enough to take a risk because if she's found out, she'll probably hang or she'll go to jail. Right? There's yeah. no middle class. You, there's no because that's bourgeois consciousness today. There's no real consciousness that would, whether it's uh, whether it's um, like you said, eroded or not, that's willing to do that. There are people who, I mean, who's the guy? I mean, we always, I always mention him to you. Off, you know, we're talking about the Eritrean professor who <laughs> decided to up and leave his university post to, <laughs> to go to Ethiopia. I always forget yeah, his yeah, name. The Ethiopian guy, Berhanu Nega. Is Ethiopian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. People like that. I'm sure every country in the world has a version of that. Yeah. The guy who just, you know, you know, does the stringer bell shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, who is this guy? He's, he's living a nice cushy life here he's intellectual got a nice uh, income uh speaks several languages yeah probably has a family uh, yeah he did, lives yeah. in some western capital you know or big city um academic uh maybe engineer you know some kind of i mean you are describing a kind of from a material economic sense like a, an upper middle class person 
right, right. Um, and he was on the ground with Gin, Gin but with Gin but seven, right? Like he, like they were, they had boots on the ground, you know, and and wherever parts of the horn that they were, I want to give that up. But like I think in 2005 when they had that big massacre in Addis, um, I think it was over. I might be incorrect with this, and I probably am. But it it was it was I think it was over. It was it was. Nah, yeah, it was over the mayoral election. I think that he won, but Hanunega won the uh, the election for mayor in Addis, and then something okay. happened, and it and it triggered a, a big massacre of a, like a lot of students, and then from then from there he had to flee to the states, and then he was working on a way to get back. Um, yeah. From 2005 to now, which I don't know what his role is in Ethiopia at this moment, but I believe that he is. Yeah, I haven't, yeah. I haven't heard from, yeah, because he, he just upped and, upped, upped and left because there was a pretty long article uh, written by an American uh, journalist about him. Mm. Like what makes someone like that, you know, just kind of join the fray or something. And um, not that I know every side, you know, the ins and outs of it, but you know, that that's how it kind of starts is with ambassadors and, uh, diplomats and yeah. uh, liaisons from for these smaller countries who move to the state you know maybe to have a post with the UN or the EU or some shit like that and they um, you know they have their kids going to college here and they're actually doing this kind of Mon Mothma work they're doing one thing but they're talking to other people shaking hands here sending resources there making connections here and there and in their train case they have the same kind of kind of network in, in the middle east as well in the Arab, uh, like in the gulf countries and stuff and that's how you funnel things back in right and then you have but if you do the mon mothma stuff without this then you just kind of you know uh there's a market for for uh yeah, humanistic speech as well. You know, just, right. <laughs> just, just uh, you can get speaking roles and and whatnot, but you're not really doing anything. And I and I, I just I kind of like the that Andor anyways um, depicts the all the necessary ingredients and and events and kind of traumatic events that all yeah. have to happen at the same time. And everybody died. I mean, look at this. It's the same yeah. thing as Rogue One. Everybody yeah. died at the end of Rogue One. Spoilers, but yeah. and everybody pretty much died at the beginning of Andor so right 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 um, right right it's it takes it's sacrifice right that's the thing that we we don't want to talk about you know what i mean and and you talked about it in the last episode right when we were speaking about martyrs it's when you're talking about that kind of sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice which is your life that's that's a different level of commitment and that's 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 a serious thing to to undertake and to to even to even think about you know what i mean let alone like go about doing it um like it's 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 unfathomable unfathomable to a lot of people um in the cities that we live in yeah we're beyond that the point that the exact uh, the the proof of that is because it's a disney plus show right right <laughs> <laughs> we're we way beyond that now it's it's kind of like a way of, of uh making sense of it after the fact but um the um yeah that's the lip that's the li that's the limit for me martyrdom is kind of the limit for me what well, people are making those sacrifices though like in 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 the places where you know mining is happening where people are being um removed from their lands right whether it's in chile 
uh, like I'm referring to the article you sent me the other day, like whether it's in Chile or Congo or, you know, Nepal or some or someplace like that, right? Like it's happening and people are resisting. Aren't, they, aren't those people the folks like the planet that Andor is from? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um... But, right, but that's what I mean. So it's not... The stuff is always happening, mm-hmm. right? At, at any given moment. But what happens on the other side, on the, the bourgeois west side, the right, side right. that you said could uh, start, a, you know, spark it in league with a ready and able um, and willing kind of, you know, whatever, peasant class or indigenous class or working class front that's um, on the other side. Because this is the, for me, it was always like this in incongruence between these two um you know you know uh, classes of people who are supposedly nominally uh, ideologically um or at least uh, not even can't even say politically on the same side you know how there's a difference between the native and the diaspora there's a difference between the native the the the, the uh, intellectual comprador outside and the working class on the inside who's having to you know live this uh, on a daily basis uh, and then, and then to kind of change this incongruence into and, and switch it into uh, mold it into where these two poles kind of meet in the middle somewhere. Yeah. The, you know the the Nemics and the Sintas and the Camerons and all those people. Yeah. All who have individual reasons from their day to day that stem from their day to day life because they know the the uh, violence firsthand. And on the other hand, there's kind of intellectual class that's willing to risk everything by, you know, walking into certain rooms, making deals with certain people, uh, and risking the, you know, being found out and being on, on, you know, TV one day and say, oh, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Apparently they were, you know, caught embezzling money or funneling money to this or this and and third, you know, like that, like that there's a scandal i don't know if you can do that in this right now at the moment it's harder to do anyways because globalization is like on you know turn the screw even further i think back then it was possible like there were these channels and of course there was soviet union and china and uh, yeah you know, there was, uh, i mean it's a diff- different iteration of of capital that was that was dominating the world but I, this is the issue the real issue for me it's people are too busy and people are too busy because they have too many gadgets that are keeping them engaged in whatever kind of frivolous activity uh, that might be the thing of the day. And frivolous activity, I'm not against that, having fun, doing all of that kind of stuff. But I think that the, 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 the nature of the gadgets, right? And this is why it's connected to what's happening in, uh, in, in, on, on the sites where mining is happening, is that the more cobalt you get, the most more silver you get, the more quartz crystal you get, the more inputs you have to create more of these kind of technological gadgets that keep people busy, right? Like in at Amazon, like I think that they have a, I think that they have a policy that you're supposed to check your email up to 2 a.m. in the morning. Like it, it has to be on, right? So you are on all the time. You have this, you have this com- supercomputer in your pocket that keeps you plugged in all the time, right? And it's it's connected to what Nemec was saying. It's like you, you, how can you understand what's happening? It's not. It's the the the, the genius of the imperial um, machine is that it throws forty atrocities at you, not just one, you know, 
massacre massacre or event for us to to kind of critically analyze and then move towards action right your head is spinning that's why i think the objective vertigo um the way that the, the show is 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 shot right i mean and then says it he says you know when a tie fighter fl- flies over them um yeah kind of like by the way it. that's the that's the first time i think in star wars a tie fighter was truly intimidating they made that <laughs> shit look like it was a yeah like a war movie from from the 70s or something like it was right. that, that's that's what that's what a good show does you know <laughs> makes the tie fighter just like coming over you feel like god damn this is death from above so he says this when that happens. He says, they'll, they'll soon see. Surprise from above is never as shocking as the one from below, right? And then before that, to the other yeah, yeah. other thing I was talking about, he says, the pace of repression outstrips our, outstrips our ability to understand it. And that is the real trick of the imperial thought machine, right? Like, he's giving it up. He's saying, they thought about this rigorously, rigorously, and we have to do the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah um, I mean, that's... That's the death of ideology. Because right. today, you ask someone what their politics are, they'll they don't even understand the question. Like, <laughs> it's like you ask somebody about their religion, and they say I'm spiritual. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, I don't you know have I believe in this, but I don't like they can't name it. Yeah, you, know, when you almost, believe in everything. You believe in nothing. That's the point. <laughs> and and the everything is the is the distractions you were talking about. That yeah, the empire throws at you. So if Amazon throws that at you. You can't think of nothing but work. You're busy. And that's, but then, but then there's little, but there's fronts on that too, because there's unionizing that's happening at Amazon. Because there's right, somewhere right. at that point you have to get angry. You have to feel this is wrong. You know, it just has to start with some kind of yeah, uh, you know, feeling of uh, you know injustice. It has to start somewhere, somewhere, somehow. Yeah. And then from there you can you can understand what unions are and what that does for you and why. And then you see the the empire react all of a sudden. You know, when it crushes unions and stuff, you think like, wait, so we made them do that. You know, mm-hmm. we made them act this way, which is you know some you know strategists see that as a as a big moment because now the the layman, everyday man, can see uh, can see that. Um, Oh, this, this this big company, this huge invisible company, just showed me its ass. Oh, okay, right. but you know, it's got no clothes on, or at least a mm-hmm. a uh, uh, bit of the clothes fell off. And uh, but anyway, so that there's so, so there's the the necessity for that, um, in order to 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 at least rekindle to spark some ideology. Because the only reason you can't make sense of forty atrocities is because you can't. I I I think today you can't even make sense of one or two. It's all individually separated into its own corners, and nobody can systematize it into into an overarching kind of right. idea. Right. And people don't have time to think. It's like keep if they're too busy to <laughs> yeah, you know, to do anything. These days, that's the thing. It's too busy for thought right now. Yeah, so that's what I was gonna say. Is that the yeah. Mon Mothas of the scene, right? Mon Matha would be a part of the managerial managerial class that we have now. Is they're so busy, right? So, so the elites of you know the 20th century, the 19th century, the 18th century, they took pride in not working, not being industrious. Being industrious was a sign of <laughs> of, of, of of being poor, right? But this this elite, the elites now, right? They pushed this hustle culture, right? What did Kim K say? Kim Kardashian say? She said nobody wants to work anymore. I'm hustling all the time. It's something to that effect, right? I'm like, what? 
okay, so so they're hustling, they're hustling. So they've taken on this 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 idea that comes from you know a flawed understanding of what a meritocratic order is, right? It's like I earned this, I'm working hard, I'm da 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 da. But that's like it's 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 that's 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 just that's just smoke and mirrors, right? But they're so busy that Amon Matha can't arrive on the scene now. That's what I was gonna say. She wouldn't exist today, and if she does, it's a uh, it's a it's a performative version right. of maintaining your the you know your your place your space in that bourgeois kind of you know um, um, self serving you know. Right. I mean, I guess if I were to like take analogs from the show, it's there are mercenaries, even though someone like these you know um, career politicians aren't mercenaries. They're not shooting. You know they're not taking on missions and stuff, right. but they're kind of there. That for you know they're there for for kind of securing their own life livelihood and their own middle classness. Um, right. There's no there's no anger for it. If there is anger, anger itself is you know solely for the performative act of maintaining that position again. Right. right, right. What does right? What does the right call it? Virtue signaling. <laughs> The right call it virtue signaling. The, the the left call it performative politics. And on this side of things, I think virtue signaling is more interesting to me because when when the other side comes up with their own version of something, it yeah. is always a little nugget of like uh, insight for for people who you know s- swimming in books on the on the left. But um, for, to me, virtue signaling is like the the racist cousin or brother who tells his sibling who just came back from. The first couple of years of college, you know, there's a white family at the Thanksgiving table and telling her, you know, I know you, you don't, you don't normally think like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah You're yeah. doing this just for, for the attention. Right, right, right. They call him a SJW, social justice warrior. <laughs> yeah, all that stuff. So that's, that's, that's come from the other side. And uh, that, that, that's another thing that's, there's that, that also creates a crisis in, uh, principle as well like wait am i doing this just for for show and um and then you can quickly get knocked off of any kind of path towards something like uh what's needed on either end like um you're gonna be wrong a lot about a lot of things in your own political awakening and you're gonna when, when you when you have a established foot you're still gonna have a lot of things wrong like like people when they find out that their political consciousness is not pure they automatically want to go to the next side because they think that that's going to be the place where they're going to have a pure political consciousness and it's it's just not possible it's just the world is not made perfect like that right yeah, it's, 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 it's a search for us the search for uh, wholeness of the self like they don't they don't like to expose cracks in their own self um uh, but but the, the the way you do that do i i think the healthy way to do that is to join community of some sort of yeah. some kind of community and i think that that's what those rebels represent. They become community, and then that loss and that and that sacrifice begets even more. Like it, it's um, creates a sacredness to it, to to the uh, to that community going forward. Right, right, right. Um, it's just uh, there's no like again like it's like it's like um, a ball that you're forming and you're starting with your left hand and your right hand and two you know antipodian kind of you know, polar opposites and you're trying to mold it together into a nice, perfect sphere. And on one end, there's no more mathematics. On the other end, there's more and more people being crushed 
simultaneously, like, you know, the 40 atrocities thing. Um, and their anger is never funneled into towards the middle. And on the on the Masma side, there's no uh, risk taking or uh, kind of, you know, I don't know. There's I, I always tell you this. I, I like movies like Death of Stalin, uh, any kind of Cold War stuff. Think of Taylor, Soldier Spider. There's a certain kind of subject that used to exist in the in the, in the ideology days. Right. Uh, that could mold it, could meet it halfway from the other side. And and I don't know, we're just not made for that. I don't think the Gen X millennials on the Western side is, is made for it. It's, uh, right. It's, it's always, it, if it happens, it happens locally. In small yeah. little moments here and there. And then we write books and articles about it and podcasts about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I think I think we need like more like a new map or something, because for, for one, just to go back like again, nobody names themselves politically. That's that's the first thing. And those who do, by the way, they're, they're, of course there are people who name themselves, but they're the ones who have the least to lose. Uh, you know, the champagne communists and stuff like that. So got you, got you. There's no consequences to claiming their political yeah. affiliation. And and they change and they do also the same thing because it's performance, right? So they every five years they're like, oh, I don't. I'm not a Zizekian anymore. I am a, <laughs> I am a Laclauian. <laughs> yeah, it's like our own dearly beloved uh, Armin White, right? He's, uh, he done. Dearly beloved. He loves and, the movie Beloved too, so that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Every, every, uh, as you said, as, as you always tell me, right? Every new president um, brings a new political awakening in him. And I think, I think that's, that's pretty much like all of us, right? Like, uh, you know. I'm I'm changed now. Uh, my opinions are much more, you know, nuanced. Uh, uh, I don't see things as just, you know, clear cut this and that. Well, no, no, no. You got to tell me where you stand, and then from there, there can be a great deal of variations in your own point of view, right? Yeah, but, you want to be nimble and flexible. Yeah. And, uh, Let me know your worldview. It's okay to have a worldview, <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay to be wrong. Yes, and, it's very and, okay. and to change it next year too. Because because uh, that's how you change. The thing with Armand White is, you know the that old show. I've never watched it, but West Wing. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. It, uh, with Martin Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know how like they had like that style of shooting two two people walking, talk, walking and talking. So the camera's like kind of going backwards as they're walking towards the camera through the corridors, and they have yeah. an entire scene that just takes place two people walking from one room into the corridor and whatever. Yeah. I have like a feeling Armin White with every new election, he just walks back and forth from one wing to the other. Yeah, it's yeah. either left wing, right wing, back yeah. to left wing, right wing. And I see why he does it because there's, there is a sense of contrarian, but there's like a necessary contrarianism yeah. to that. Because yeah. if if everybody keeps swinging to these two binary things, there's these two signs of a false binary. Yeah. You need someone to pull back again to, to get people to see the subtleness and the subtleties in the middle. Yeah. Um, I just think he's he's been uh, spun off by the force of his own momentum now. And it's, you know, once Obama went came on, he went so hard the other side, and then when Trump came, it, it he just kind of <laughs> he yeah. just kind of got locked in in his own like uh, momentum there somewhere. The right, torque right. has has forced him into into a corner now. Now he just and he's older, so that's the other thing. I I don't agree with his politics. I still find his writing to be deeply insightful, even his new stuff, right? Like I can disagree with somebody and still find deep insight in their work, right? Like we don't just throw people out when when we don't get along with them or we don't agree, we don't cancel them, 
We don't cancel him. Peace now. be with him. Peace yeah. be with you, Aaron. I have given up on that long time. I haven't seen any insight in him. years. How dare you? You Sorry? introduced me to him. And you introduced me to him. What? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, man. That's what I'm saying. I, I was wrong. It's okay to be wrong. And <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm wrong for still keeping, you know, keeping the faith strong in him. But um, nevertheless. <laughs> there's others. He's just an example. He's an interesting... Like he... Like Daniel McNeil's new book. Uh, shout out to Daniel. I think he's... Uh, hey... You know, you can plug his stuff. Plug that. He's he's um he's he's in his book. He's covering Armand White and Paul Gilroy, reading them together, or against each other, or or as, as an ex, as as examples of a certain kind of you know black intellectual response to yeah to uh you know our conditions of our time. Mm-hmm. Armand White is extremely interesting. If you if you see him, if you if you come to know him in the eighties very interesting if you come to if you come to know him in the 90s very like dignified almost uh, inspiring if you come <laughs> to know him in the 2000s illuminating and insightful come to know him now uh mega yeah yeah the 2010s uh, <laughs> 2010s made us all crazy so uh, that yeah so i definitely want to take in uh daniel mcneil's book that seems like an interesting read sorry we went off on a tangent i guess we gotta go back to uh you know, plans for the Death Star. Before we end this, <laughs> I, I want to talk about you know who Uncle Harlow may be. Uh, the bureaucrat Cyril. Um, he has a very, very, very demanding and overbearing mother. I can see now where his 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 uh oh, you you talking about uh, Karn, right? Cyril Karn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I wonder who who this Uncle Harlow is gonna be. It, it seems like he might be somebody, and I'm sure there's people who've already uh, oh, you know, made their best <laughs> guesses. Yeah, I think I just had I just had chills because I the, I know who the uncle is uh, without knowing it at all because it's 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 the uncle who comes in post independence Eritrea <laughs> to give you the give you everything you need to get across to Kasala to Sudan damn or damn. it's the uncle who is who is in Dergi you know in the Dergi army who's some kind of low ranking official know somebody right. know somebody. Right. Who will give you a nice little spot um, in a particular military base, and uh, and then you know, Karn can work out his uh, masculine uh, or sense of you know uh, what do you call it, his insecurities there. Right. So, I I just have a feeling that's what it's gonna be, Uncle Harlow, man. That's gonna be a nickname. Yeah, he almost seemed like the the Joker in the the last Joker movie. Um, you know what I mean? But overbearing mom, it, it turns these dudes into psychos and, and, you know, mass killers. So whether it's overbearing or, not, or anything, it's, it's always some kind of wounding that happens yeah. There's a release. once you realize you and your mom are not the same thing. Right, 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 right. There's, there's yeah, there's something to that. Um, interested to see what's going to happen. Uh, also, an interesting quote. I thought this was pretty nifty. Um, I don't know the name of the woman, but the woman who's who's starting to see a pattern in the act of the, the rebel activity, you know, and her her subordinate says, oh, yeah, this this it's too random to be random. I'm like, oh, OK, you're smart. You're smart. Well, people. it's too random to be random. Yeah, but there's intelligent. That's the thing. There's uh, there are you know, there's intelligence on both sides. Yeah. There are, you know, like the ambitious person who works their way up in a corporate company. They're intelligent. Yeah. They're not they're not dumb. They're just ideologically on the wrong side. But yep. they use everything that they know in order to 
to uh, you know whether it's for promotion or for some kind of careerist uh, goals mm-hmm. they they go above and beyond even uh, the chain of command and whatever her ma- you know whoever her manager is but uh, this goes back to the point where you said this 80 million credit uh, robbery you know mission yeah. is a big deal is it finally alerts people like her it finally puts her now now she's got now she's got, got a little bit of a leeway right now they'll tell her now she can say I was right and you were wrong so right. it kind of creates the impetus from the empire side to now really dig in and and retaliate and you know all the ugly stuff starts to come out uh, one thing I, before i forget though when you said the, the empire keeps you busy yeah there's there's um, a counterintuitive kind of a, a countering thing on the other side to it to that because the um the Andors, like when Luthen asks Andor, like, how do you do it? How do you steal from the Empire? How do you do it? And he's said this over a few episodes now. Is they're 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 fat and lazy. They've mm-hmm. got too comfortable. They I can walk in, act like I belong, and take what I want. Like there's a he knows them on a different level, you know, the pre ideological level, right. kind of just this is what I can do to them. And I think that's what that character. The commander, the guy that whose family they take hostage in this last episode. Yeah, yeah. That's who he was meant to represent, right? Someone who's so mm. fat and so satisfied with uh, power. Right. Who's, uh, you know, the, the way he looks down on the indigenous uh, Aldani yeah, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... yeah he's, he's, he's like, I got a maid in the shade. And when he sees that Lieutenant yeah. Gorn is, is, is a part of the, you know, the, the robbery, this guy has a heart attack. <laughs> he can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, how could this happen? Like, yeah. And his relationship to his son. His wife yeah. and son, they're, they're, they are kind of making these very subtle kind of, you know, you know, you know, uh, putting little vector points there on the screen towards what happens to boys, mm-hmm. especially boys. And uh, it's really dope, man. I don't know. It's uh, that's that that's that's the other thing. Like the the ana- the the analytical mind, like Nemec will say that the the uh, the Empire has is thinking, th- you know, ten steps ahead. Right. And then the 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 um, the street or the street urchin like an Andor who knows this this empire from the inside like like straight up you know rubs up against it in his uh, yeah. in his daily life he's he knows them he understands them completely different it's almost like they're part of a part of the organic body of the empire yeah. you know what I mean and and analytical minds they they seek distance detachment yeah. in order to understand the thing that they're looking at. Right, that's right. uh they, they they tend towards abstraction um that's why everyone's trapped in the university <laughs> i say yeah. trapped in both sets of the word like because the university is part of the empire 100%. and uh, it's trapped even in, in, in an ironic and analytical distance and attachment right. yeah and then the andors are too far to be that's why Luthen is the superhero of the show really because he's the one who went all the way to, to find this guy yeah you know yeah, that, and that's why that did. You seen what he did? Yeah, uh, Skiersgard, like he's and, like yo, the guy who did that's that. That's why his he... journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why his journey to get there makes uh, w- w- they spend so much time on. You know, when he's on that little train system, yeah. you know, going into in, going into town and having that conversation with that random that random passenger. I don't know what they talked about now, but there is all this uh, level of care and dedication to to these characters for who they are and yeah. 
he, he's risk. the one who went from one end and to the other and this is what i mean by it's too hard today to to make that to bridge that gap yeah that connection connection from the bottom to the top right like it's, yeah. and i think yeah. it's interesting because i think the empire is going to get more fatter and bloated after this because you talking see, about the star wars empire obviously yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah well both i'm about to make a connection i think what's interesting is that the the old republic had a galacticized economy so it had big corporations but it had um work outsourced on planets with you know what i mean with indigenous companies or what or, or what have you just like in ferex the security forces there were part of a corporation that was um you know connected to the empire was in the empire right and so what we see with ferex is that now the empire is coming in it's vertically reintegrating itself that's a business term right that means that it's not outsourcing its security forces it's it's uh, it's policing it's accounting it's legal it's you know uh, different types of services it's putting it under one umbrella again right and that was more reminiscent of how the global economy in the 20th century operated right not towards the end where you know the free trade agreements of the late 90s and you know China entering um you know the the the, the world trade organization and everything like that and things got spread out um now what you see in the world is is supply chains are coming back to their source there's a lot of reshoring and we see that same thing happening with the empire but right they say it's big sloppy and you can't get a lot done so it's like kind of like the Soviet Union it's just it was too big to adapt right the thing that the rebels have over the empires that they're small and nimble and they can adapt quickly right and what the empire is doing now it's just consolidating more power which looks like it's a good thing for them but at the end it's actually going to be their undoing right so which is why i i think to stylize star wars empire according to to the Soviet Union is wrong mm. or at least along it's wrong for you to think that way it makes sense for why Disney Plus show um or even an American George Lucas production would would model it after Soviets obviously because they're they're Americans yeah, yeah yeah because the nimbleness you speak of is actually more in the neoliberal empire that the whole neoliberal idea of flexibility and adaptability and yeah and individuation but i'm saying it's 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 going towards a, it's a change now where there's vertical reintegration happening where different supply chains are coming back bureaucracy is coming back yeah it's <laughs> coming back in its fullness right so it's 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 i think what the pandemic taught what the pandemic showed a lot of people right which is what you know a lot of people on the right wanted right which is production to come back or at least they were saying that to 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 appease their their um you know their 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 working class uh, constituents right but they wanted production to come back they didn't want it to be out in far flung places in vietnam china like bring it back right but they're only bringing it back because automation makes it possible and feasible for them to do it it's profitable now right with automation we can bring back the supply chain right so it's 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 interesting it's it's this is also a commentary on the world economy right it, it's it's globalized just like in star wars it was galacticized you know it's getting nerdy make up that word but um it's it's coming towards ahead but it's interesting uh it's just, talking about star wars sure it's still a nerd 
you can, you can you can pretend to know it all. You're just a nerd at the end of the day. <laughs> Forever, I'm, I'm a nerd, but I'm 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 living the life of a jock as well. But uh, anyway, so is there anything else? Any other hot to- topics, hot takes that you got before we, you know? No, I'm just gonna do two more episodes uh, after nine and twelve. Um, yeah. Because yeah, there's more stuff there. Because I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not nearly as uh, well versed on that supply stuff supply and demand and the chain stuff because the automation stuff mm-hmm. i would put in the nimbleness factor of the neoliberal side of it yeah, yeah and because it got too nimble i think the the state is, and the nation is starting to flex again and it wants to do what you said bring it back in the pandemic yeah. allowed states to get fat again as far as its reach and because of of the supply chain that was so um so dispersed it's that was a problem right people people couldn't get face masks people couldn't get access to medicines and all that kind of stuff and and people realized how poor these countries are these western right. countries <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah um uh, that that part of it i think we can like uh, probably continue in the, f- in the future for sure um it's but generally piece. speaking i think once again each week i believe that this show is the best show on television that's even with dragon riders and uh, yeah. superheroes <laughs> and uh, lawyers hey. and uh whatever else is out there yeah yeah it's number one it's number one in my books at least for sure uh yeah it's another episode of no gps the third one to be exact and matter of fact and in the meantime in between time keep safe if you guys don't know aaron is a rapper Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Let that cat out the bag. I'm also a rapper. I also make music. Why does he speak like this? He speaks in rhyme. Double time. I'm some doctor stuff. Okay, yo, keep well, keep the hope alive, keep the faith. Peace. Peace. Let me know. The 40, 9 and I'm whining, dining, no pining, I'm talking climbing, science, I'm flying by him, try him, I'm at the buying, buying, I'm Frankie Lyman, chiming a fool like Meg, Ryan strike out like Nolan, Ryan sleepless, you notice, I've been stiff arm and soul, Heisman, I'm really no, Biden, I'm not your average, Hiding, I'll be back at it, while in the can of hit up, selling it out of bitters, bitter, they don't fill up, filling, I'll be the realest, villain, and while you talk, villain, I just be cold, chilling, I'm on the throne.